Welcome back to 7 Seconds Your More. This is episode 59. I'm your host, as always, Peter Howarth, joined, as usual, in the new year by Duncan Adele. How have you rang in the new year, Duncan? It's been going pretty well, you know. Uh, sad I missed the snow when I was up north, back in North Carolina. It's a little, a little warm in the 60s today, but, you know, I might... We might have our, uh, you know, every five year snowfall here. So looking forward to maybe getting that. It'll shut the whole you know, city down for a week. No one knows what to do with it. Oh, yeah. Permanent snow days. But I can work from home. So I guess that's that's less fun. <laughs> no, it's 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 not nearly as fun. Uh, but I will say you, you didn't miss much. The snow was gone in about two or three days here. It all got washed away. Wow. Well, this is our first episode since our Christmas episode. Spend a little bit, you know, New Year takes a while. Um, but it also means that the dust has settled um, as a lot more games have been played around the 37-38 game mark here in the 2023-24 NBA season. And so I think that Tier 1 of NBA teams have sort of started to separate themselves. So we're going to try to assess what the top three seeds in the East and the West, what they need uh, and how they could fill some of those holes. Of course, that means a lot of NBA trade machine, everyone's favorite fun tool to use. Uh, Duncan, do you want to start East-West? Any, anything uh, stand out to you? Yeah, let's start West with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, you know, they're the one seed in the West. They're kind of killing it. Um, I think they're going to continue to get that one seed. But something that happens a lot in playoff basketball in the series is that we're always talking about turnovers. And it surprised me that the Timberwolves are have the third worst turnovers per game in the NBA behind only Detroit and Portland. And they're fourth to last in assist to turnover ratio. So they're getting, you know, decent amount of assists, but like neither of those are good. And in playoff basketball, turnovers means transition points when you're playing against those good teams and you do not want that. So if I were the Timberwolves, you know, you don't want to mess too much with uh, what's been working with, you know, like Ant, Ant, Cat, Gobert. They've really been playing very, very well. But maybe like a another guard who, someone who comes to mind is like Tyus Jones, uh, who's been floated in a lot of trade stuff. He's in the Wizards and has led many times and assist to turnover ratio kind of seems like the perfect fit for the problem that they're facing. Um, it's just kind of like the, what do the Timberwolves give up to get this? Like, you know, you're going to bleed a little bit to, to fix this issue. Like Mike Conley was in, in the trade machine I had, I had Mike Conley and two seconds because they can't trade any of their firsts. Um, I think any of them, those are all gone in the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, and then for Tyus Jones and Landry Shamit, and you're missing a lot with Mike Conley because he's been been fairly good for them as a veteran presence as kind of a calming force uh taking some second unit minutes but tyus jones might just be a slightly better version you know also a younger version um someone they can kind of build around a little more in the future with a pretty i think he's on an expiring of getting paid 14 mil and then shamit's in there just for the contract although shamit's got three years left on that uh so you know, maybe that's not the greatest amount of money to add up to that, but I don't. I wouldn't mind if I'm the Timberwolves to add someone like Tyus Jones or maybe a Malcolm Brogdon or someone who's a little more, a little better at setting the table at the point. Um, not that Mike Conley's been bad, but the turnovers have not been great. What, what is your take on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and do you have any ideas of what they could do to to have an even better claim to maybe the, the NBA title? 
I think that's a pretty fair assessment of where the Timberwolves are at. They are the number one team in the league in terms of defensive rating. They're a juggernaut and being able to lock guys down pretty much one to five. Um, Mike Conley, somewhat aside, I haven't really looked at his individual defensive metrics, but on paper, he would be the weak link because Ant, when he gets up, he's extremely talented defensively. We all know what Jaden McDaniels can do. Um, Carlton Towns isn't, you know, necessarily a great defender, but him at the four next to Rudy Gobert, who has sort of, you know, gotten the juice back after transitioning in that double big thing last year in Minnesota has been really good. But, you know, sort of like, like you've been kind of talking about in terms of offensive rating, they're only 19th in the league. Looking at the guard position makes a lot of sense. I personally think Mike Conley has been fine. He didn't play the other night in Boston, um, and they narrowly lost that game in overtime. So maybe he, maybe they win that game with him, but they played so competitively without him. You know, it's hard to pinpoint a, a thing on that. Nikhil Alexander Walker was really good in his absence. He started twelve games this year. Mike Conley, though, he has been very good in terms of limiting turnovers. He's their uh, leader in assists per game, six point three assists per game. And he only uh, 1.1 turnovers per game. So, you know, nearly a 6.0 assist to turnover ratio. So, personally, I don't want to sacrifice Conley. They've been on this sort of revolving door at point guard for the last couple of years. D'Angelo Russell wasn't it. They had Jeff Teague way back in the day with Jimmy Butler. Seems like they sort of righted the ship, brought in Conley, a pro, um, a great teammate, someone who I think can can mentor Anthony Edwards in a way. I don't, I don't want to like write this ship that badly. But Ty Jones, fair guy to want to go after. Uh, they also have DeLon Wright, the Wizards, if you want to go to a different wizard. Uh, Ty Jones, he's at that $14 million range. When Tyus was moved to the Wizards in the offseason, it, it was a three-team trade. He was somehow lumped in the whole Marcus Smart, Porzingis thing. Um, and he was one of the one of the main returns for the Wizards, uh, for Porzingis, who you know was made probably an All Star this year for the Celtics. It seems to be that I forget who I was listening to, Zach Lowe, Bill Simmons, you know, so, so on, that they think they that they should be getting a first round pick back for Tyus Jones, and that market hasn't been there. So if we're looking at second round picks, and you outlined the Timberwolves have some picks, the salaries can work out. You can get rid of some of these guys who don't really play for the Timberwolves, if you put together Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and Wendell Moore Jr., that all adds up, and it works in the trade machine, throwing a couple second-round picks. You can get Ty Jones. I like the Malcolm Brogdon one. He's around $22 million, I think, so I think you have to do some, you know, some more maneuvering. And the guys above Shake Milton, in terms of salary on the Timberwolves, you get Gobert, not moving. Towns, you can't move. Uh, Conley, don't think they want to move. Nas Reed, I, they love him. They extended him. You're a Nas Reed fan yourself. Um, Anthony Edwards, obviously uh, not going to move. And then Kyle Anderson, who I think has been pretty valuable. Um, he was incredibly good uh, against the Celtics the other night. That is how I base a lot of my things on, how well they play against Celtics, I know. Anyways, uh, all that to be said, extremely long-winded. I think you're accurate <laughs> on the assessment of the Timberwolves. Some little offensive juice works. We all know Ty Jones, the assisted turnover god. It's attainable. It works. I think Brogdon's sexier, but I think that's one you say on paper. It's kind of harder to achieve in actuality. Yeah, and Tyus has been shooting 43% from three this year, which on on only like three-ish attempts, but still, you know, like 
that's uh, spacing for a team that has Rudy Gobert on the floor at all times. That's can't be looked past. But yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't want to give up Mike Conley because it has been working, and they do have that first spot in the West right now, and they're kind of unstoppable. It feels like sometimes, but you'd think they'd want to do something to improve their offense a little bit. So yeah, do you think maybe they bring in just another off the bench? scorer like is, is that what their offense needs like i don't even know because off the, the bench unit seems pretty good but if the scoring is low i guess if the scoring one in the defense is high maybe that's what's like kind of uh skewing those numbers a little bit because maybe it's more low scoring games but still you you at least, at least want to be a little closer to top 10 in offense if you want to get that championship yeah, I mean, they, they win games from defense, right? Again, what I say, they're like 19th in offensive rating. Well, again, they're first in defensive rating. That means their net rating, they are seventh, all right? So, the, you know, so top seven, uh, you know, team in the league. Um, I, I will say, for, I think the Ty Jones thing, the more I'm thinking about it, does make sense. You know, he's an expiring deal. I don't know if they'd get his bird rates. That certainly changes things. But, you know, Mike Conley is whatever I said, he was like 36. He's one of the few players left in the league drafted in the 2000s. And Ty Jones, um, you know, if they're able to secure his bird rights, they could extend him. Maybe he could be the point guard after Mike Conley. I don't know what his future is here. Again, he's expiring. So it at least gives them more options, even if it means moving off of, you know, Wendell Moore Jr., some of these young guys they have that don't really play, though, to be fair. When you're number one in the, one in the West, they don't have their first-round picks. You might as well obviously try to win now, um, especially before Edwards's uh, extension kicks in. Gobert's making a ton of money, and we all know Towns is making an ungodly sum of money. Yeah, but I guess that's also something to just keep an eye on with Ant, is I think he's averaging five assists and three and a half turnovers per game. Um, just I wonder if that's something in like a seven-game series, if it'll be a problem or if it's something he kind of cleans up uh, when it comes to the playoffs and really getting your mind right. Because um, that's not a great assist to turnover ratio, especially for often being, you know, the number two ball handler on that team. Yeah, a lot depends on how much they like Nikhil Alexander Walker too. Another guy like off the scrap, he he, he played extremely well uh, in Boston the other night, especially in the absence of Conley. But yeah, they are lacking a little juice in the guard position. You know, if Ant, he always does seem to rise to the occasion, but if he doesn't. Uh, obviously, Towns is a lot better as a second option than a first option, um, but I think guard help is a reasonable, you know, thing thing to look at. If not a wing, um, but I, I do like Kyle Anderson to be fair. Fair, fair. Where do you want to go next? You know, let's pivot over uh, to the East. You know, we talked about Boston a, a lot in sort of passing, so let's actually just talk about them. Um, now, this is coming off the heels. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, January twelfth. Last night, the Celtics got blown out uh, in Milwaukee. If you didn't catch the first half of the game, there's a fair chance you didn't catch the game at all because it got so bad, TNT turned the game away. They went, I think, to the Knicks instead. Um, they benched Jason Tatum, and uh, TNT was like, oh, no, let's put something else on. <laughs> they benched the whole starting five. They, they didn't come out of the gate. Um, and to be fair, the Celtics were without Al Horford. He doesn't play back-to-backs this year. Uh and again, they had one in overtime at home against Minnesota in a real, real cutthroat game on Wednesday. Then they had to travel to Milwaukee. Milwaukee was coming off three days rest. This was after Giannis had this whole rant, how everyone needs to be better. The equipment manager needs to be better. 
um, you know, all that stuff. Um, uh, also, this was true. Holidays returned to Milwaukee. So I think Milwaukee had a lot of stuff sort of going on. Um, may I mention a so, uh, little, little just note here. Um, this was after the Bucks lost to the Jazz. Jazz, they've won six of their last seven games. They beat Milwaukee. They beat Denver. They beat Philly. They beat Miami. They beat Dallas. Their only loss was against the Celtics, in which the Celtics blew them out of the water. So, I, I know, there's a lot going on. So, how are we supposed to assess the Celtics, right? Essentially, the way I see them, you know, any move is, is to see if they can make a playoff rotation at all. Um, if Joe Mazzula can put any level of trust into them. So, the two areas I'm looking at are a playmaking defensive guard, just because Peyton Pritchard, he can get played off the floor in the playoffs. Um, and then a slashing, like, athletic wing. Uh, a lot of this depends on, like, how you view Sam Hauser. If Jordan Walsh ever gets any playing time, the rookie they picked this year at Arkansas, uh, Lamar Stevens, Svi Mikhaik, all those sort of wing-like players. Hornet selection, Svi Mikhaik, may I add. I'm going to go guard. I'm very similar to where Minnesota is, although I think Celtics need defense over offense. Um they don't have a lot of assets to mess with. They have like a $6.2 million trade exception from the Grant Williams sign and trade. Uh, Tyus Jones doesn't fit into that. He was someone I looked at. I, I love Tyus Jones. DeLon Wright makes a little too much money. He's a, he's like a 6'4", six, 6'5 six, guard. I love bigger guards. Uh, so two guys that work here, Davion Mitchell of the Kings. He doesn't really play. Um, he's like six foot. He's small, but he's defensive. He's, you know, Mr. Uh, off night, right? Off night, that's his nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so far, uh, his nickname should be DNP CD because he just <laughs> doesn't play. Uh, and then Javon Carter, uh, Bulls guard, he makes 6.2 mil. He fits right in it. He's over a three year deal, though. And I think Chicago, I think in terms of the guard position, Zach Levine, way higher candidate to be traded. Alex Crusoe as well. So I think they would keep Carter under the cost controlled. So let's go Davion Mitchell. He again, he's not really playing in Sacramento. He could just be a flyer down the stretch in Boston, similar to when the Celtics got Evan Fournier. They got him for some second round picks. He was in the Gordon Hayward trade exception. He played. He didn't work out. He kind of sucked in Boston and he left. Same thing could happen in um, Boston with Davion Mitchell. If it's just a couple second round picks, he could be guard depth. He could be some defensive stuff for Peyton Pritchard. You know, you can go offense, defense between the two of them. Um, just recoup some assets for Sacramento if they really don't want to play him. Um, pretty like inconsequential trade all around, but I don't want to rock the boat with the Celtics. Um, and we're gonna keep we're gonna do that with some of these other teams later. Like, how big of a trade do you want to go? Um, at least that's how I see Boston. I don't know how you see them from the from the <laughs> quote outside, Duncan. <laughs> uh, I agree. Yeah, you don't want to mess with it too much. You are still the one seed. Um, although I want to see Tatum get to the rim a little bit more. You know, we were just talking about Utah a bit. Um, and that I saw a graph recently that was showing like, um, I don't know if it was efficiency or efficacy, but it was uh, in threes versus dunks. Um, and so it was like one axis was dunking efficiency and efficacy. So it's like volume with efficiency and one was three pointers. And there, there was no true person in like the top right of that. But the closest people were Jason Tatum and Lowry Markkinen. So, you know, like it's, it's interesting. Like I just, just want to throw that in about the jazz. Like Lowry might 
might be him low key. Uh, but I think Jason, you know, it's, I saw another meme that makes me think of it. Um, just like, could he be LeBron if he stopped like pulling up from three all the time? Like he's got the build. He could just run, run the floor and dunk like every other possession. It feels like, but he's just jacking up threes a bit, which I think a bit less of that happens in the playoffs. But that being said, it's not really a problem, not necessarily a problem with the roster. I think, I think the roster is great. So yeah, I, I like the Davion Mitchell thing, you know, two halves make a whole like defensive Mitchell and offensive Pritchard and just sub them out <laughs> every other possession. I don't know. Like I, I, I do like that kind of route um, and someone that you can just keep on DNPing if it doesn't work out because yeah, exactly. You don't want to rock the boat with the squad. They are the one seed. They've looked fantastic in the games that matter and they're definitely well poised for the playoffs. The other thing is if you want to go with like a big man, Luke Cornett is someone who's played well lately, but I can just picture like a Daniel Tice like situation with him where he plays well in the regular season. You put him out there in the playoffs and he gets absolutely cooked by, you know, Bam or or Giannis and, and Lopez. He, he, he was pretty much unplayable. Then again, the whole team was last night in Milwaukee. You know, so again, can't really take a lot out of that. True. Uh, but I did see a, a similar Tatum meme, Duncan, where it was like when Tatum forgets that um, he's not Stephen Curry and that he's a six foot eight or really like probably six ten, like two two thirty or whatever he is, just muscular guy. He's yeah. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do agree with you. I think he needs to sort of lean into that. I wonder if with the game last night, um, it was a bit of a punishment by Joe Mazzulla, um to bench him. You know, because it seems a little bit like I'm not saying that Tatum is award chasing because of who wouldn't want the MVP when you are at the the peak of your career and you have a real shot at it. But is that what those threes are? Is that just him trying to get more points per game a little bit? It feels like that sometimes. It doesn't always feel like it's for winning. And, you know, he got benched with seven points and bad like shooting percentages. And I wonder if that was a little bit of a if it was Joe Mazzulla saying that's enough, guys. You guys lost this one for us. Like, you know, get get motivated a bit for next time or if he was just like no one's getting injured get out this game's over i I, i'd lean towards the latter the like let let's just take the loss on the chin and let's get make out of this one alive um as as regards to like how many threes tatum shoots it's you know hard to tell if it's him or if it's the team because again the celtics shoot threes at you know, one of the highest rates in the NBA, if not the highest rate. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, I'm, there we go. I'm sure you could find it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm sure there are coaches telling him that, you know, threes are worth more than twos. And at the rate that he shoots them and the team shoots them, it may be a, a more valuable shot. But I, I, I am in a similar boat as you as um, in regards to, it, I, it's not always the best shot. It, it doesn't seem like it. it does seem like he's, he's doing the step back threes because he wants to, you know, be on Sports Center top ten or TikTok or whatever it is. And it's it, it confuses me when he doesn't use his physicality. When it there are times where he can get to the rim at will, and that only seems to come in the playoffs when they're losing in desperation. Um, it's not as consistent as you might want. Yeah, they are leading in three point attempts. By the way. Um, I don't have three-point percentage up here, but they are not in the top five. Um, I think they're probably pretty middle of the pack there. Um, but it's also, it's just weird. It's just, 
you know, the, the talented players, I don't think any of them are averaging above 35% from three, any of the starters, maybe Chris stops. Um, so it's, it's just, yes, they're taking a lot of threes. I'm not saying to take less threes, but maybe do a little bit more to get more good threes, you know, not the contested Michael Porter Jr. threes. Um, but then again, we're nitpicking because they are the one seed and they have the most stacked top five or top six in the NBA. So yeah, definitely not a rock the boat kind of kind of situation. I did find the exact stat we're looking for, by the way. So that would be um, percentage of field goals attempted. Are they three pointers? Um, they are number one in the league. 47.2% of their shot attempts are from three. Wow. Number two is Dallas. Number three, Sacramento. Number four, Golden State. Number five. Memphis number six, Milwaukee. Um, I would normally would trade off here. We take turns, but I think Milwaukee is a, you know, after we talked about Boston getting blown out by Milwaukee, where's Milwaukee at? Um, I think they're kind of weird because, um, you know, they are at this threat to win the East every year. Giannis, two-time MVP. Um, all that considered, sometimes they really look like their team on the decline. They have one of the oldest starting fives in the league. I don't have the number. It's hard to track this down sometimes. Um, but for some context, the average age of their starting five, which ha- lately has been Dame, Malik Beasley, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez, your average age is 31.2. The Celtics, uh, their average starting uh, lineup age is 28.4, nearly three years younger. That's Holiday, White, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis. Uh, the Bucks, though, they have shifted identities this year. We talked; I think we've talked about this before. Um, the the seems like the the holiday for Dame switch, and then maybe the Mike Budenholzer for Adrian Griffin coaching swap has led to again defense for offense. Uh, they set the league record for points per game in the month of December last month: one hundred thirty-one point five points per game. It's crazy. Wow. That was also the fourth highest scoring month ever. Um, and so that's raised them to number two in the league in offensive rating, only behind the Pacers, which all they do is score. Um, but again, bringing things back, 19th in defensive rating, pretty league average to below league average, eighth in net rating for all those who care. So let's try to get away from the numbers a little bit. I know it's kind of overwhelming, the ratings, the averages, all that all that stuff. Uh, let's just go defense, all right? Let's try to get the defensive identity back in Milwaukee. I'm also going to go with a guard... <laughs> You know, it seems like guards are the, the hot ticket item today. Um, we're going to bring in a, a familiar face here. They don't have a lot of salary to mess with the Bucks if they want to keep the rotation somewhat similar. But Cameron Payne, he's on an expiring $6.5 million contract. Um, if we think they're fine with the way Beasley's been playing and obviously Dame and Connaughton, um, we're going to swap out Cameron Payne for Javon Carter. They pretty much work salary-wise. I know we talked about why Chicago wouldn't trade Carter, but I think Milwaukee could be motivated. I don't know where they are in terms of draft picks. Wouldn't be a lot. We'd just be talking about second-round picks here. That is Javon Carter. Okay, it's not anything crazy. So uh, this gives Milwaukee a couple more years on a contract because, again, Payne's expiring. Carter has a couple years left. It's nice to have an asset signed for a couple years. Um, and Carter, again, he's played with you know Giannis Milton, Lopez Portis, all them um, and Chicago could free up some minutes for Kobe White, uh, who's been, you know, maybe most improved player candidate. Don't have the odds in front of me. And Io Dusunmu. Uh, where are you at on Milwaukee? 
I agree. I think they need a defensive guard. Um, but it's also the kind of team that with Giannis and Brooke Lopez on the floor, it feels like they can get a stop when they need one. You know, so it's kind of the overall defense might not be there, but I, I mean, we keep saying in the playoffs, like we won't see until the playoffs, but like they could could be okay. What about like a, a Caruso for Connaughton kind of deal? Like that, that yeah, I, I, I'm going to guess Connaughton is pretty well liked in Milwaukee. Um, I think he has a fair amount of trust. You know, if we're looking at the trade machine though, um Connaughton he's making you know 9.4 mil three years left on his deal Chicago Caruso uh, is also making 9.3 so you know you throw throw them a Caruso in a first like I mean Connaughton in a first yeah it basically works as an even swap you know depending on on the draft pick compensation you know that's a fair one um the, the the years are similar. Cruz has two years left. Content three. Um, then I guess is that first even worth it to Chicago? Like, is that truly helping them? Like with one of their glue guys? Like, I don't know if they would do that trade because it's a first that might be the twenty eighth pick. You know. Yeah, that's another thing when we're talking about you know first round picks from a team like Milwaukee. Um, also, I think you know Caruso. Everyone talks about Alex Caruso. How he's a he's a wanted man. If they're trading him, I don't know if they'd want to trade him to Milwaukee because, again, their pick's not going to be worth the same. Maybe, you know, the Lakers have been thrown out there, obviously a Caruso reunion. If they get some future picks out of the Lakers, there's some hope that by the time that pick rolls around, you know, LeBron's out of town, um, maybe, maybe the pick has value. Could be, could be. I think they also have some Portland seconds. I don't know if that's... Yeah, they have... Portland's second, which might as well. That's like a 33rd pick. Maybe they throw that in there. But the Bucks overall still don't have a lot of first-round picks. From They're still recovering from the crew when they acquired Drew. And then, obviously, yeah. they, they gave up some picks when they acquired Dame. So, I'll, I was trying to go a little lesser. Caruso, though, that's a fun one. Makes a lot of sense for, for you know, where Milwaukee's at. Yeah, but it could be a lot of dark days ahead if uh, it's Caruso and then another pick out the door and then it's uh 2029 and Giannis is 35 years old honestly he'll probably still be pretty good at 35 how old is he i totally forget he's got to be like 29 let's see let's see 29 on the dot (laughs) yeah so you know i guess maybe in the five years let's let's give him six years he'll he'll play till 35 so We'll see, but yeah, I agree. It's also a uh, the Bucks have been good. You don't need to rock the boat necessarily either. So maybe one of those smaller trades, like like what you're saying with Javon Carter, is not the worst. Or maybe just more minutes for Andre Jackson because he's been pretty good defensively, um, and he's been shooting okay. But I think it's just because he's still like kind of raw defensively um, and offensively that you know he's, you can't trust him to not foul because he's trying to defend so hard that he's gonna just whack a whack the the driver um so I, I do get it but hopefully andre jackson can evolve a little bit more into filling that role that is definitely there that needs to be filled yeah a lot of it goes to this level of trust you know what we talked about with the celtics i think applies to the bucks andre's minutes have fluctuated a lot i think he's shown a lot of flashes 
Um, and I think it's you know promising. He's in a situation where he's on a good team, but there's still a role which he could grow into. Yeah. But w- we have seen this sort of trade, like trade back for a guy he just lost. The Warriors did a couple years ago with Gary Payton the second. They traded like five second round picks to the Trailblazers for him. So I, I guess this is the Bucks' version of that. Yeah, yeah. I guess continuing in the East, then let's go with uh, the 76ers. They're third in the East, um, but they're barely third in the East. The Pacers and Cavs are fourth and fifth, and both of them are one and a half games back. So that's that can change in a week. They can go from third to fifth. And I think Philly, you know, they want one of those top four seats to get that home court advantage. Um, I don't think they're going to make a trade. You know, they, they're not like necessarily the top of the East or like a bonafide contender by everyone. Although I think they are in that, that spot to contend. Maxi has taken a lot of the responsibility from losing James Harden. Embiid has been playing out of his mind. Kelly Oubre was a good addition. And in the offseason, they're going to have $55 million worth of cap space. I don't think the Sixers are going to do anything. Although Daryl Morey is a, a big game hunter. That's kind of like his thing. That's what he's known for. But if they were to go for anyone, I think it also need kind of a defensive, maybe not defensive, but like a more experienced guard to help Maxi out a bit give him the option of being off ball, like not like with James Harden where he had to be off ball, but he does succeed in that too. Um, and getting like a Malcolm Brogdon in there to, you know, play off experience and kind of round out the roster a little bit more. So the the mock trade I had was uh, Marcus Morris Sr., Cork uh, Mots in two seconds for Malcolm Brogdon. Do the Trailblazers do that? I'm not sure, but, you know, that's, there there is a path to getting something done with that. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is a very you know reasonable trade candidate. He was part of the Drew Holiday return, just you know for the salaries to match up. But uh, their guard minutes should all be divided between Scoot and Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons. That, that's they need really, to get something out of him. Yeah, it, it's it's an asset that I think is pretty clearly going to be moved. The Clippers were have still long been rumored I, with James Harden in. I don't think that's as strong anymore. So we're essentially going to reshuffle things, right? Some of the assets that the Clippers traded for James Harden went to Philly, and now we're just trading those. Three-way trade, essentially. Uh, I like it. Um, I don't know if they'll do Morris or Covington. Um, I don't know where the salaries are between them. I take it they're similar. But uh, they just gave, I don't know if you saw this, Duncan, they gave Marcus Morris the keys to Philadelphia. They did this whole ceremony. What? He <laughs> Didn't apparently he just get there. <laughs> well, he's a Philly guy. Um, oh. He was saying how whenever he's introduced, they always say from North Philadelphia. He took a lot of pride in that, so I guess he's finally playing for his uh, hometown team. Does Embiid have the keys to the city? <laughs> I, yeah, I I think he has the keys to everywhere. Uh, Philly, the state of New Jersey, probably to a degree. <laughs> That is so random. Yeah, so maybe they don't trade Marcus Morris just because they like him, but I also can see them going for someone in the offseason. But but then again, like, are there unrestricted free agents? Like, who could they even get in the offseason without some sort of trade? And I feel like trade prices are much lower at the deadline when teams are trying to make something of something. So I feel like there's always the shot that Daryl Morey will put go all in for, like, Zach Levine or Pascal Siakam, which are two names that have been linked to them, or DeJounte Murray. 
but I think those are just the names that everybody's saying. I don't know. What are your thoughts out of the three of them? If you're Philly, which one, which one do you want the most? You're saying between Siakam, Dejounte, and sorry, who's the third? Zach Levine. Um. So, <laughs> I don't love all. I really a lot of them. Uh, right. I don't think Siakam really works that well next to Embiid. Um, I think Dejounte. I, I think he's probably just the best player of the three. Um, on the well, best contract too. I think he's only getting twenty two right now. Yeah, as he regards to contract, I think I think value. I think he might might make the most sense overall. Levine's making a lot of money. Um, I think he'd be fun. I suppose definitely. I think he's better off as a third option on any team. That's why it makes sense on the Lakers. Uh, doesn't provide a lot of defense. If that's something you're worried about. Him next to Tyrese Maxey is a little suspect. Dejounte Murray would be a lot more incompetent um, in those regards. Uh, but uh, not to just abandon your question, but if we're looking at upcoming free agents, right? Because essentially the Sixers could forfeit all their, like, uh, like, uh, uh, I'm so sorry, um, bird rates to their guys, you know, Morris, Covington, Tobias Harris, all those guys. They could free up a lot of cap room. But who are you signing? Clay Thompson, right? At this age, probably not. Um, obviously not um james harden you know siakam i I guess if you want to wait instead of trading for him uh gordon hayward kyle lowry derozan buddy healed mike conley like what what are we talking about here in terms of of the guy you're gonna get Kawhi signed the extension paul george is probably gonna sign an extension not they're not actually available so i i think they're better off trying to cash in these guys on the expiring deal so i think brock didn't you know, maybe, maybe not the best player. Um, certainly better than Marcus Morris. And if it's, you know, we're talking about second round picks here. Sure, why not? Obviously, Brogdon's going to be moved. If he's still on the Blazers, I, I think that's probably a bad move by the Blazers if he's still on the team. So, sure, I like the trade. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or just kind of sit tight. It's working. You have time. You're not necessarily trying to win right now, right now. Um, and also, Embiid, kind of on a tangent he's already missed a ton of games right i saw like he can only miss like nine more or something like that to still be eligible for uh for awards like could this be where one of the best players of the the season like is not eligible for mvp like i forget how does it work i think if you're injured that doesn't count question mark like if it's a major injury you can still be eligible for some awards i don't know the exact language there uh but essentially yeah i believe 65 games you have to play uh, to be eligible for any of these awards. And I don't know if I said on this show or somewhere else. I thought when they came out with this whole thing, I thought it was really stupid because I know it's incentivizing players to play, but there was some discussion that this was made to sort of help alleviate voters, right? Which makes no sense to me because I, as a voter, hypothetical voter wish i had to vote that'd be cool by the way they just be handing those out though anyone could vote if i could vote i should be able to make the 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 line in the sand just based off of the value that playing 80 games versus playing 63 games is i don't need to to be mathematically eliminated joel Embiid, if he plays 63 games i think he'll be more valuable than if mccall bridges plays 82 games right i don't think that's 
Mikael Bridges is not a great example. He's not an All NBA player. But okay, fine. Let's pick another big man. Um, sure, why not Porzingis or Siakam? Let's say they play seventy two games and and Embiid plays sixty three. Embiid sixty three games are going to be more valuable, and there's no doubt. And he's obviously an All NBA candidate over them. I don't get why the voter why we can't just make that decision on our own. It has to be made for us. Yeah, honestly, I don't think it's about the awards at all. I think it's just about getting them to play in more games. But I, I guess if that were the case, 65 is still pretty low for that. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's not like you're asking them to go above and beyond. It's like, yeah, that's that's missing like 17 games. That's that's a lot of games to miss, right? Like, I Yeah, it's it just like, I, I think if you look at, if you look at a uh, all-NBA team and, you know, Joel Embiid is on it and he's played 61 games, you're like, wow, he must have been so impactful those 61 games. That's, you know, really incredible. You know, how good you have to be to make team by, by playing that. But no, instead, um, you will have, like, Clint Capella. He won't. Okay, I'm just making up a bad player. Clint Capella will be all NBA 13 because he plays 80 games. Yeah, no, that is ridiculous. But, you know, it is how it is, and it does suck to... I feel like you have a different perspective for versus when you like go to an NBA game and the star isn't playing and then you're like, Oh, they should make them play more games. You know, you go to like two games a year and I don't know, like imagine going to some of the Warriors games. Remember last year where they benched their starting five or two years ago? Like that does suck. So we are trending in the right direction to get rid of that. There are some of the biggest culprits. Um, um, so they, they make a lot of sense. Um, and the Nets honest, got fined recently, right? <laughs> uh, that sounds right. Yeah, apparently they just didn't follow the rules and they were just resting people like it was last year. And then the NBA was like, wait a second, you cannot do that. I will say, I don't know how many like casual Joel Embiid fans there are. Like, There's casual Steph Curry fans. There's casual Giannis, LeBron, KD fans. Are there little kids who just like watching Embiid just because? No, I don't think so. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I that would be news to me if there were. Yeah, they like Lamelo Ball. They don't like Joel Embiid. <laughs> they like his flashy shoes and uh, his fast car is always running red lights. Uh, he runs them with the best of them. It's impressive. <laughs> Go look up the clips if you guys haven't seen it. Uh, so do, uh, I guess we're gonna move over to the West now. That's where our two remaining teams are. Uh, you can take the reins here on this one, Duncan, with the OKC Thunder. Yeah. So. The Thunder are interesting, kind of like all these contenders. You know, it's like, should they make a trade? Like, probably not. They're contenders for a reason. But the OKC Thunder are a little different because they've got so many freaking draft picks. They could do whatever they want. They could, I think, you know, there's what, maybe like 10 players in the league that they couldn't reasonably get with their like amount of draft picks. Like, you kind of could add whatever player you want to this roster. I mean, of course, with salary and all that being considered. But the question is, who or what? Especially when you're doing pretty well. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was looking at like some websites for like inspiration of who they could maybe get. Do they go for Lowry Markkinen, who we'd been talking about a bit earlier? I don't necessarily think so. I think they could pay for Lowry, but they're playing well. They don't need Lowry. I kind of am more interested in kind of like a backup center or a center to kind of clean the glass. Um, uh, when playing against teams like Philly or playing against KP in the playoffs. Um, although 
we've seen uh, with the Thunder against the 76ers and the Celtics this season. Chet has done just fine against Joel Embiid and Kristaps Porzingis, um, or at least been competitive. But I wouldn't mind someone like Andre Drummond. It sounds funny, but lately in about 20 minutes per game, like 25 minutes per game for the Bulls since uh, Vucevic. Vucevic? I always get the white centers mixed up. That's Vucevic in Chicago, right? Correct. Yeah. With Vucevic out, he uh, Andre's been averaging like 14 rebounds and 16 points in like six games or something ridiculous like that. So I wouldn't mind someone like him, especially when you have all the shooters on the court. You can afford to have one non-shooter in Andre Drummond and have some some like insurance for if Chet gets hurt and you have no one to rebound in the playoffs or in any game. But other than that, I do not think that the Thunder should go crazy. The The little mock trade I had was just Andre Drummond for Trey Mann because the salaries work out and two second round picks. I think that might even be an overpay for Andre Drummond, but they can overpay for him because they have so many freaking picks. What do you think? They have so many freaking picks and they have so many freaking players. I mean, when you're looking at some of the small salaries, if the Thunder do a trade, you're like, well, Isaiah Joe, he's been really good. He was six man ish candidate for a while. Uh, you know, Aaron Wiggins, he's not bad. He just doesn't play. Uh, uh, big Jalen Williams, he's not bad. Trey Mann actually used to play and used to be a good player. Now he just doesn't play because uh, they, you know, they have, you know, the slob wizard in front of him and Kason Wallace, <laughs> who's been really good. Um, so uh, my trade is also going to be a big man for the Thunder. I have my own trade. I read this weeks ago in some article or some tweet. So whoever came up with the trade, I cannot fully credit you. It is going to involve one of our favorite players, though. Not Andre Drummond. Uh, I want to get like a more of a real player. Because um, I think the Thunder are in a really unique position where they have a lot of... They have a big salary. They have uh, uh, Bertans, $17 million, where they can match a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I will say, the marketing thing, it makes a lot of sense for the Thunder... For the Jazz, I don't know why you do it unless you really don't believe in marketing. But like the Thunder, they have so many picks that they can't like they can't use all of them. Yeah, that's just what I was about to say. Like in 2024, right? This upcoming draft, they have three first round picks. They have the Clippers unprotected first, Houston protected one through four, which looks like it'll probably won't be a one through four pick, and the Jazz protected one through ten, which could also be like you know the thirteenth pick or something like that. Um, with uh, Houston's second round pick, like you just don't have enough roster spots for that. And in 2025, you have four first round picks. Like Philly protected one through six, probably fine. Miami one through 14, probably fine. And then a complicated with a bunch of things from Houston or the Clippers and then their own first round pick. Like they just don't have enough roster spots for all that talent. So they need to find ways to kind of combine these talented players without just letting them walk. But knowing the Oklahoma City Thunder, they will they will find a way to do that. They are very competent in that draft room and in the front office. So I do not doubt that, you know, they're they've got a plan. I just I want to know what it is. <laughs> we all do. Um and that's why again marketing makes sense because he's not a center, but he gives them more size and you get to cash on some of these guys. And he's young, seems a good guy. A lot lot of lot of things. Spacing at the height is obviously so valuable. And it's funny if they did that trade, right? A bunch of picks would be going to the Jazz. It's almost making the it's making the Jazz have be burdened with the Thunder problem. The Jazz already have a ton of picks from Mitchell, 
and Gobert, and now they'd have a ton more. They would end up being similar. They'd have a bunch of guys they can't play. They're not obviously the the whole talent on the roster isn't where the Thunder are right now, but they'd have the same issue. They'd have even more picks. They wouldn't have enough spots eventually. That's fair. However, the Jazz somehow they have no 2024 picks. They've got three first rounders in 2025, but maybe there is a, a if they see someone that they want in 2024. Who knows? But yeah, no, I agree. And also a lot of the picks that these guys have, it's not like a top three pick. And that's truly like kind of what you need in that rebuilding phase. If you need, if you want someone that might be Larry Markinen level talent, because he has been that good. So it is easier said than done to, to trade Larry Markinen to your team. <laughs> well, the Thunder have done that strategy that the, what you're talking about, like what the Jazz could do, use future picks to get into this year's draft. The Thunder, I believe they did that with Kaysen Wallace. I know they did that with Ujmang Zhang to move up. It seems like it might have been like an overpay, but with the protections and with how many picks the Thunder have, it's really hard to track down what was yeah. fair, what was not. Uh, back to what I was saying, you know, forever ago though, my fake trade um, picks, you know, there's going to be picks okay i don't know what the picks are first seconds protections there would be picks in this trade i don't know what they are because there's so many it could be anything but uh davis bertans to the magic for wendell carter jr because wendell he missed a fair amount of the early part of the season i think it was a hand finger maybe i forget which one it was and in the meanwhile they played mo wagner who he had a lot of juice last year, he's, and he's continued to play well. Um, Paolo Bancaro even plays small, and he's been really, really good. Goga Batadze, you know, off the scrap, he has been valuable. Wendell, you know, he's had a really good salary. He's 13 mil, three years. If the Magic want to get some picks, if they want to go in a different direction, it's tough because the Magic are playing well. Right there, they'd be a playoff team if season ended today. So it's hard to trade a guy like Wendell at his age and his talent and what the salary could mean, the value of the salary. Um, but the Thunder would have a lot of incentive. Um, he'd be a big man who would be on the timeline. Everyone else, he's locked in at a good number, um, glaring hole in terms of size, and they could, you know, quote overpay with all the picks. Yeah, agreed. And I think that timeline kind of fits better with the Magic's timeline anyways. You know, the Thunder are in a bit of more of a rush with Shea being a top five player. And not that he's old, but, you know, he like he's the timeline now, not, not Jalen He's not Williams. old. He's not old. He's the same age as Jason Tatum for everyone wondering. I know Colin Coward was like Tatum's not as good, you know, as the young guard from OKC. They're the same age, guys. Same age, 25. True, 25, but you know, he's not 18. So your nope. window is the next five years, not in five years. So I, I, I think and the magic, you know, their their guy Paolo is 19 or whatever he is, maybe 20. So they are, you know, a slightly different scale there. So I think it would make sense to to do those that kind of trade. And that's a good fit. Yeah. Whoever came up with that, great, great idea. <laughs> yeah, don't don't remember who it is at this point. Um, but we will wrap up with our teams our last team the reigning champions the denver nuggets now D denver's been pretty steady if you haven't watched them i feel like i know we talked about this the the wave on denver right they win the championship you know you know the natural talk can they repeat ring night all that uh and then it's all it's all died down 
It's almost disappeared. No one's talking about the Denver Nuggets. They are eighth in offensive rating. Back to the numbers. I'm sorry, people. Bear with me. Eighth in offensive rating. They're 10th in defensive rating. That makes them one of four teams that are in the top 10 of offensive rating and defensive rating, which is a really good thing to be at, you know, balanced on both sides of the ball. The other three are the Celtics, the Thunder, and the Sixers. Makes a lot of sense. If if someone asked you, like, where are the four best teams in basketball, that'd be a fair answer to give if you set those four teams. But Denver, for all that they are, um, as they are the reigning champions, they are like a really unmodern team. It makes sense if you watch Nikola Jokic. You know, he looks like he played in 1950, not 2023, 2024 now. Um, yeah, so Denver shoots the third least amount of threes in the league in terms of percentage of their shots or three-pointers. Um, the only teams that shoot at less percentage of three-pointers are the Pistons, who stink, and the Lakers, who really don't shoot threes. So let's get them some shooting, shall we? And this is going to be another not rock the boat thing. Uh, their salaries, again, they, in terms of what they can move, is weird. Uh, we're going to bring in a guy from the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to bring in Lonnie Walker. Uh, the Nets just have a ton of guys, um, and it's hard to get minutes for all of them. Um, he's an expiring deal at the minimum. Nuggets can absorb him into their Bones Highland trade exception. Um, I know you hear Lonnie Walker shooter, and you're like, I don't know. I don't really watch Lonnie Walker. It's, that's fair. You don't really have to. He, he's having a career year from three. He's shooting 46.6%, 5.2 a game. I know. Wow. You're, <laughs> you're taking it back. Um, yeah, again, one of these trades doesn't rock the boat. If Mike Malone wants some someone else to, to play instead of some of these young guys, um, that'd be fine. Not a lot of assets to give up for Denver. Uh, he could be, you know, a guy, guy to play for them. Not a big deal either way. Yeah, I agree. They're another not, don't rock the boat kind of team. But what do you think of like, I mean, I, I like the Lonnie Walker trade, but a uh, Jokic backup, like who is his backup? Like Zeke, not between Zeke Naji and DeAndre Jordan. Like I wouldn't really have faith in either of them to have huge minutes in the playoffs. I guess DeAndre Jordan a little bit more, but I wonder if they go for just maybe a little change in that direction too, uh, like like an Andre Drummond, like we were talking about before, or I don't know. So I mean, someone cheap that they can take a flyer on to to bolster that, like even maybe a, a Nick Richards from the Charlotte Hornets, um, just a big body that you can sub in there who can grab a rebound, be efficient at the rim that doesn't need twenty five minutes a game. Uh, no, that's fair. You know, I think that they often play a little smaller. If Jokic isn't on the floor, uh, they'll, they'll maybe play Aaron Gordon at the five. Um, uh, in addition to you know whatever Najee or uh, or DeAndre Jordan yeah. gives you that, yeah, it's it's fair. Honestly, I think they've been all right with the DeAndre Jordan insurance. I don't know if they, you know, having insurance. I, I know a backup obviously is a different thing than like having insurance. Obviously, if Jokic goes down, the, the ship's down. Um, but I personally think they're okay. I, an Andre Drummond type would be fair. I think it'd be a little redundant with Jordan. I think they somewhat like Jordan. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, f- fair thing to be thrown out. I guess against maybe the Timberwolves in a seven-game series, because they were the, the team that gave them the most trouble in their title run last year. Um, if Rudy Gobert is playing, like, I guess you have Aaron Gordon on cat and call it a day. I don't know. Maybe... Would they play two centers? I wonder what those lineups were. Do you remember off the top of your head um, if they were playing like D- 
DeAndre Jordan Jokic on the court at the same time against those two big guys? No, they'd never play them together. Well, I think part of it is uh, the Nuggets don't have Jeff Green, so knew they played at the four. So maybe if you want to go for that forward position, um, you know, Zeke Nashi, he plays 9.9 minutes per game, but he's played 33 games. So when he does play, he doesn't play that much. So I, I, I maybe that bigger wing position is more of a need than uh, than a shooter if they're if they're just kind of keep embracing this you know this retro identity. Uh, I, but I did not look up trades for uh, for that position. But we did talk it out. Makes sense. I, I think that sort of forwardy veteran uh, guy makes a makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I guess another news too. You know, we bring up the Charlotte Hornets uh, making his return to professional basketball. Kai Jones is, will be playing with the uh, Team Bahamas <laughs> uh, in the the North American Cup. <laughs> wow! I, so wow, that I know I, I set you up with a little bit there. <laughs> You did because Lamelo Ball is returning from uh, his ankle injury. For he's been out, you know, weeks and weeks. Kai Jones, he's back to playing ball. <laughs> uh, he's playing against Puerto Rico uh, in the next week or two in preparation for that. But you know, g- glad to see he's not all the way out. Uh, again, look up like the Kai Jones highlight reel. Uh, if if you were shown this video, if it was grainy and on YouTube in two thousand nine, you would think he's the best player ever and that he'd be the new goat. Uh, he, he's he's an athletic guy. I don't know where uh, the, um, some of the off the court stuff. He didn't commit a crime. He's just he's been kind of a weirdo, I guess is the way I'd say it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the worst part is is he demanded a trade, and then the Hornets were like, "We're cutting you." If he didn't demand a trade, he'd have so much playing time right now with the amount of injuries that they had. Like, I, I feel bad for the dude, but he did it to himself. Yeah complicated stuff if you're cut from the hornets that's yeah it's low of the low of lows in many not many other places to go (laughs) nope it's you're you're near the bottom other than you know maybe detroit yeah speaking of (laughs) thank you yeah perfect transition uh yeah so we're gonna move over to the step back you know the the segment where we look back on some things that we talked about this show in the past see how well it aged maybe take another crack at it if it's that sort of thing uh, again, we're around the 37-ish game mark, almost halfway. Uh, since the dust has settled at the top, it's also settled on some of the things we said earlier in this season. Uh, nine days into the season, I believe it came out November 3rd, we broke down our overachievers and underachievers. They were as follows. Our overachievers were the Pelicans, who were 3-1, and one, the Raptors, who were 2-3, and three, the Sixers at 2-1, and one, and the Pistons at 2-3. and three. Our underachievers were the 0-5 Grizzlies, the 1-3 Rockets, and the 2-2 two two Bucks. May I say, we said the Pistons were overachieving at 2-3. Since, they've gone 1-32. I think we nailed it. We really did, especially if we had recorded this before they broke their losing streak. We called them overachievers, and then they didn't win a game since. Like, whew. But yeah, I mean, definitely overachieving. To be fair, I might have, I, I can't exactly remember where I was at, but I think I pushed for the Spurs a little bit. I thought the whole Wimby stuff was a little overblown. They also have been uh, pretty terrible since around that time, so worth mentioning. That is fair. That is fair. I think it's by design, though, to uh, get another pick. <laughs> uh, you know, quickly, just because we didn't mention this, and because I said the word quickly, uh, 
overachievers. We mentioned the Raptors. They were at two and three at the time. They've been 13 and 20 cents. And in the meantime, they've traded Ochi and Anubi and Anobi to the New York Knicks. Uh, I'm sorry it's taking to like the 56 minute mark for us to talk about this, but as OG is now a Nick. Um, and just what was your uh, initial reaction to the trade, Duncan? Well, my initial reaction was confusion as to why so many people were like, I forget who they were saying fleeced who, but I thought it was a pretty even trade and it's looking like it's a win-win. Um, you know, the Raptors, they wanted players. They didn't want picks. They got two great players the Knicks had too many ball handlers and people who couldn't shoot. They got a defensive guy that doesn't need the ball in his hand and is willing to take catch and shoot threes. Seems like a win-win. I'm, I think it's it's good for both teams. What do you think? To be honest, I, I try not to watch the Knicks a lot. It's kind of, they're not the most fun. I love Jalen Brunson. Love him. Um, and Josh Hart. <laughs> uh, shout out to, to Dan. But they're, they're not always the most fun team to watch. So I need to watch Ananubi and, and everything he's been doing on the Knicks. But you know, for the Raptors, I think this is interesting. Obviously, OG was, uh, you know, he's been along with Miles Turner, you know, the most talked about traded guy in the league for some time now, and they cashed him in for uh, Canadian RJ Barrett. We'll see if he plays better up in up in the motherland. And quickly, who maybe should have won six man of the year last year over Brogdon. Um, you know, if I wasn't by a Celtics fan, I think I think quickly was maybe more deserving. And he, he gets more run now. Well, maybe towards the second half of this year and then into next year, maybe he goes full Tyrese Maxey, Kentucky guard who finally gets the keys. Uh, Maxey was starting before. Quickly is now just starting. Uh, I, I think it's interesting for the Raptors, right? Um, they weren't going to pay OG. They get Scotty on a contract, but now they do have to pay quickly. So now do they trade Siakam because they would have to pay him probably. And I guess they probably want picks, right? Since they got players for OG, a lot of moving parts, really hard to evaluate because this is not it for the Raptors. I don't think by any means, um, but you know, OG super uh, Tom Thibodeau like player, defensive, unselfish. I saw someone uh, said that he looks like a, like a brand new, my player. He has no tattoos, doesn't wear accessories, <laughs> um, no, no sleeves, anything like that. Yeah, that's funny. I, I think of Zach Lowe who's saying it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but with the Raptors too, that Jakob Pertle trade is just looking worse and worse and worse because they gave up, I think, this year's first for him. And for what? Like, he's yeah. not been that good. He's been hurt. He's fine. But it, I think the, the first is a mistake in hindsight. So hopefully this lets them recover a little bit and trading Pascal will get them maybe some draft assets and someone who plays a little better than Grady Dick um, for next year. Grady doesn't even play, you know, the, the biggest, one of the biggest memes, the come bucket of this year. Uh, Grady Dick doesn't play. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'd say I feel bad, but you, you gotta, you gotta back up all the talk and he's not doing it. <laughs> yeah. And with Pirtle, you know, I think the trade at the time was a little, little strange at the time. I think they wanted more center stuff. They didn't like playing Pascal at the center position all the time, but they, they paid a lot, right? He, he was a former Raptor, so they, they knew him in the building, uh, but they, they paid a lot. You know, this could be a top 10 pick they're giving up this year, which uh, is definitely not make a lot of sense for the direction the team is going in. All right. I, I think that's all we got. Um, is there anything else you want to add, you know, about, Underachievers, overachievers. Before we uh, before we head out, 
Uh, yeah, a little overachiever, underachiever is the Yukon Huskies men's basketball. Uh, every time they're at in a Big East away game, I think that's just the nature of the Big East. But glad, hopefully they'll have they'll have a win against Georgetown at home and come with that number one rank because uh, everyone above them lost. I was about to say, say you won about how close the games are. Uh, yeah, everyone else in the top five lost, and Marquette is you know a sinking ship. It seems like so. UConn, the, the wins are ugly, but they're wins. They are wins. Go Huskies. <laughs> Roll skis, and uh, we'll also see you all next time.